I'm Anna. And I'm Adway. And, and this, this is Double Testimony, Season 2. Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of Double Testimony. We're super excited for this week because we have some very special guests. We say that every time. But this week... Yeah, every guest is special, special for us. <laughs> That's true too. Um, this week we have Ben and Laura, which is super cool because... Ben is actually the pastor at our church, and Laura is his wife, and they run our Bible study. <laughs> so we we spent a lot of time with them, and it just it's just so normal to have them on the podcast. So super keen to have you guys. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Super keen. So before we pray and start, can you introduce yourself to the listeners? So just your names, your ages, and what is, just for the purpose of the listeners understanding why I'm asking this. Ben is really good at cooking and he always bakes for our Bible study. So what is your favorite thing to bake or favorite thing to eat? Actually, you can answer both. Wow. Go for it, guys. Oh, yes. Uh, my name is Ben, 45 years old. Um, as far as baking goes, I, I think it's hard to get past the uh, chalk chip biscuits. Those are pretty solid. Yeah. But I think I would veer towards the meat uh, eating, like brisket or ribs Yum. or things like that. Some low and slow barbecue. You had me very concerned. I thought you were talking about putting meat in like cookies, like oh, bacon. He's done it. You know, I it's put true. spam in chocolate chip cookies. I did. My spam. It was totally wrong, but Abel <laughs> liked it. Yeah, I guess that's the ultimate question. Did it taste good? It worked. I have not done it since, but it's it's, impar- it's imperative that you pre-fry the spam before you cube it up and chuck it in there. The baking police gave you a visit and were like, stop, don't do that. Why? I feel like saying it worked and people ate it does not equal it was good. <laughs> that's funny. And how about you, Laura? Uh, I'm Laura. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 44. I'm glad Ben went first so that I could remember. Um, I don't really bake anymore, so it's kind of nice. I just get to eat the things that Ben makes. Um, What's your favorite from Ben? Fudge. Mm, <laughs> it's not really baked, though. Like I don't care. Top. It's something that I don't want to make for myself, and he does really well. So any anything, you know, I just appreciate that he bakes with love. That's okay. sweet. You can taste it. I I I stopped buying bakery goods because of Ben. Really? I, it's wow. Just, <laughs> oh, it's just even if when I do, it's just not the same. It's yeah. the satisfaction's not there. No, totally. Ben it's the me, love, you know. Ben made me this like batch of brownies. And there was there was a decent amount of brownies in that bag, and I ate them in like a twenty minute drive home. On the weekend. Like there were at least six brownies. <laughs> that was a big bag of brownies. I remember those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were really good. Okay, well, on that note, I'm gonna pray. This is our first time actually also having two people on at the same time, which is super cool. So I'm really excited to get this, like get wisdom from you guys as a couple and as individuals. But let's jump in and pray first and then we'll take it away. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for the work you're doing and just for the impact these guys have in ministry, but also just personally in our lives. We ask that you would bless what they say, um, that you would really open people's hearts to receive 
um, your words and your wisdom through these guys. And we just thank you for their lives and we thank you for what they're going to share. In your name, amen. Amen. All right. I guess we'll just like really just straight jump into it. So I'll ask you the first question here we have. So how did you come to God? So what is your testimony? Oh, me first. Okay. Um, Well, I was um, just shy of my 19th birthday when I prayed the sinner's prayer. Um, But previous to that, I had not really even thought about God at all. Um, until I was about 16 and that was a really rough year for me and um, I basically decided that if there was a God he had abandoned me and so he didn't exist kind of a thing instead of being angry with him Um, and through different events for the next few years you know I had that was a really rough patch in my life Um, I tried to commit suicide um, I got into a really bad relationship with somebody that, um, did drugs and got drunk and was very hateful, not toward me, but toward other people. <laughs> um, and it was just very codependent and just horrible. Um, and I saw a sign on a church, like billboard thing as I drove down the street one day and it said something about a new beginning and that just resonated with me. So I took that boyfriend with me and we went to that church once. Um, and the reason, the only reason why he was willing to do that was because he had been having, he'd been getting into new age stuff and lucid dreaming. And he had this time when um, he was awake, like he woke up, but he couldn't move. Like there was something pressing him down. And so he got all freaked out, um, which fair enough. Um, but uh, so we went, and he was really embarrassed because the drummer in the band there knew him from school, so he wouldn't go back. He's like, no, 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 never again, because he was the tough guy, you know. Um, but anyway, so I started going to church with my mom instead, um, and that was, I guess, the summer before I started uni. And my brother recollects, because he was away at uni, he would come home like different break times and um, the first, he got saved while he was at uni. And so he would come home and try to talk to me about God. And I was just like, no, walking away. And then the next time he would come home, um, I would listen, but I was still kind of just rolling my eyes. And then the next time he came home, I was listening. And then the next time I was asking questions. So it's really neat to have his viewpoint of how it all was progressing because I wouldn't have realized that if he had just been home the whole time um so anyways my my mom started going back to church when my brother got saved so she had been going to a church so I started going with her on Sunday mornings um but the the preacher was very topical and not like I just remember him talking about himself playing football in high school and stuff like I don't remember talks about God Obviously he was, but that's just, I didn't get that out of there. So I was a little bit frustrated that I wasn't learning anything. And the only Bible I had was a kid's Bible. (laughs) So I did read that, but you know, not verse by verse, you know. Um, So I met Ben in uni and um, I started going to night church with him. 
and their church did verse by verse teaching through whatever book they were going through um, at the time. And so I actually got interested in the word because it came alive, you know. So he bought me a Bible and I started reading it and and I could ask him questions, like thoughtful questions, because like my my mom was a Christian, but it, it was basically like she was a baby Christian because she hadn't really um followed the Lord and studied his word throughout her life. She has now, which is totally awesome. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I met Ben in February of 1994, <laughs> 95, 95, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I struggled a lot with my previous lifestyle and the things that I was learning were totally wrong and sinful and all of that. And it took me until uh, mid-June of that same year before I was willing to surrender to Christ. Um, so that's what I did. And then um, afterwards, the Lord really um, made it easy for me to kind of follow the steps that were being laid out in scripture for a new believer in as much as, um, you know, that was June and we had a baptism at the bay in September. Um, that was just a generic, we did this every year. Oh, well, they did this every year. I'd never gone before. <laughs> so that was an opportunity to get baptized like really soon. And there happened to be a harvest crusade, um, who does those? Is it Greg Laurie? Greg Laurie. Um, in August. So June, I, you know, I, I gave my life to the Lord just in my bedroom alone. Um, and then I made that public proclamation in August and then I got baptized in September. So it was really um, just, it was the Lord allowing me to have these easy steps to prove that I wanted to be obedient. Like, because those kinds of things, having social anxiety, oh, I don't, I don't want to go to a harvest crusade. There's too many people, and then to stand up and go down on the field without anyone else, I'm surprised I didn't pass out. <laughs> you know, it was just, it's not me. It's not my personality. Even just thinking about it, my heart is just racing. You know, but so it was really neat that the Lord nudged me to do those things to to make that really true commitment um to him and uh it, it was it was difficult in that um I had been so anti-god previous to that you know so the one regret that I have about that time in my life is that the friends that I had from high school I didn't bring them along I didn't invite them to bible study I didn't ask them to go to church I didn't share scriptures with them I just kind of stopped hanging out with them, you know, and now I'm like, oh, they could have come with me, you know, so um, I guess that's an encouragement for people, you know, if, if you're really into the word, share it with everybody that you know, don't hold back just because you know that they were just as empty as you were <laughs> at one point, because God can change you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still kind of <clears throat> lost for words, Is that was really, kept, that was really, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's amazing just like the change God can do in someone's life. And you hear about it, but I guess because I didn't grow up in that situation, I was just, God was always normal. It's just so 
It's just so cool to hear. I love that. I think I think when you were when you mentioned the um, not bringing people along along with the ride, yeah. I think that's um, very relevant as well. Like mm. um, these days, in terms of like you, how encouraging that you can as an individual be along, like peg people along with you. I think that's it's really important as well. Yeah, it's not an us versus them or anything. It's just God made you. Like I want to tell you about Him. That's so cool. Yeah. So, so from from there, what um, what was sort of like? How did you continue that? How did you after accepting Jesus and the Lord? How did you move on? How was your life after that? Um. Well, again, I think the Lord made it pretty easy for me. He knows that I just can't handle much. I think. <laughs> but I had met Ben, and he is just an awesome spiritual leader. So. He continued to encourage me to get into the Word and um, to be in service and and things like that. So, um, you know, we got married like a year later. (laughs) So it was just like, yeah, here's my permanent accountability partner. Um, And and he's (laughs) he's still... you know, spurns me on when I just get lazy or I don't feel like it. You know, he's like, no, church is not an option. It is a, we are doing this every single time it's open, you know, all the time. Um, and, and, you know, you can't get excited about that. Church is like, it was my favorite thing. Like, you know, um, if somebody said, what's your favorite day of the week? You know, most people would say Friday or Saturday. And I'm like, Sunday, I get to go to church twice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, we don't get to do that anymore. But, um, yeah, so, it, and it, it still was new and fresh. And um, just reading the Bible, every time you read it, it comes alive. There's something different for you, you know? Um, even if, you, if you've read the same passages different times in your life, something different will stand out about it. You know, um, actually, I just saw a meme on Facebook this morning that said um, it was a verse of um, what's the verse that talks about the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. I don't remember the address. but um, (laughs) That verse, when I first read it, you know, when I was a new believer, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get everything I want. But that's not what that verse is about. That verse is about the Lord actually putting desires that match his in your heart so that you want his will. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is just so cool that you don't have to live for the material stuff or the status or whatever. You get to live for him and actually make a difference with those kinds of things. It's amazing. I think, yeah, that's so important to remember because sometimes, I guess, like, personally, and I guess you hear it a lot, Christianity feels like a bunch of rules or it sounds like a bunch of rules to, I guess, people who don't know what it is or it feels like a chore, like I need to tick the next box because I want to please God and I want to do what He wants but there's all these things I need to do. But it's really just about, I guess we always say it's about relationship, but it really is. It's about wanting to just be near him and do what he wants. And he is just so gracious that he puts that on our hearts too. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah. Uh, for you, Ben, how did, how was that journey for you? How was your, so what's your testimony? 
Well, I came to Jesus in faith at a young age, just in a very simple faith. My mother took me to church, and I was uh, struck with the idea that I am indeed a sinner, that I am headed to hell, and I don't want to be go to judgment forever. So I it was very simple as far as um, a childlike faith, knowledge that Jesus loved me, that it wasn't really me coming to him, but he had come for me all those years before, that he had given a sacrifice so I could live. And uh, yeah, the one John four nineteen where it says, we love him because he first loved us. I think that was really telling. Um, and it was a very rational decision. It was like, this is the, the best way for me. Um, but it, so there was no... I guess, really transformation at that time. I know the Holy Spirit was working in me because I was still at a formative age. So I, the Bible began to shape my worldview. I began to, and I remember telling kids Bible stories under the picnic tables in kidney in, in kindy. And, and then uh, when I was in year one, that the teacher pulled my mother aside and said, you know, this boy's going to be a pastor someday. And, uh, it's just things like that were happening at a young age, but with my knowledge and with my mentality, it was very, very much a Pharisee, very much, uh, rules oriented, like you guys were saying, and, uh, very puffed up with pride. And so the knowledge did lead to a fall where I was arrogant and boastful and really self-righteous. And it wasn't until uni that I really was forced to make a decision to live for Jesus in the world, not just um, be a know-it-all at church who's kind of the heretical police waiting for the pastor or the youth leader to say the wrong thing, to call them out, because that's how it was for me. And and in year 12, I was pretty much booted out of the youth group because I was just a thorn in the youth pastor's <laughs> side, <laughs> just thinking that, you know, I, hey, the kids need to know the truth. And if we're not telling them the truth, then, you know, I'll call you out right when you say the wrong thing. So I was, I was just not open to loving people and showing compassion and grace. Those are like foreign to me, but, uh, the Lord changed that. And, uh, he's also made me really sensitive to when I start sliding that way. So I'm almost like extra careful not to go there because that's really how, how my flesh is made put together in a way. But I guess when uh, that, it, it really kind of culminated with an atheist professor just calling us out on the very first day of uni. And he just said, are there any monotheists in here? And you're on the right side of the room and any liberals and or atheists, you're on the left side of the room. And if you don't care, don't know, you're in the middle. And there were three of us on the right. And I was just against 50 and he pitted us against each other and he asked us tough questions and he put us on the spot. And it was like, you know, I really need to, to re-examine the, the pillars of the faith, the foundation that I have in Jesus and to decide once for all, am I going to go the way of the world? But then I recognized that he had no answers. He had no peace. He had nothing to offer except doubt and angst and bitterness and suspicion like there was nothing no life there at all but 
then contrast that wisdom of the world with Jesus Christ and his knowledge and his salvation and his love. And there was no comparison. I'm like, where else can I go? Jesus has the words of life. And then that, that was a real transformational point that led me to seeking to, to draw near to God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to serve in the body and to be, to actually care what God wants me to do instead of just telling people facts or what's right or wrong. That's awesome. I think that's really inspiring. Um, I also wanted to ask you from then, like for both of you, from your testimonies of coming to God, what are some steps and things that you've taken, like choices you've made to continue that today? And obviously like you raised a family and your sons are really strong Christians and you're like running a church. Like what are steps you're taking to keep following God now? Um, so some of the things that I think are super important, um, especially for younger people, but not really, but I just, for younger people, especially you need to decide that you really believe something, why you believe it, like what he was talking about with his professor and then draw a line and know that you're not going to cross that line. So a couple of real world examples, um, getting drunk the bible specifically says that's a sin it's not a sin to drink you can have a drink if you're of age because you're supposed to obey the laws of the land that's also biblical um but so you know you have to make that decision before you go to the party you can't be thinking about it while you're drinking your third beer you know um you have to make that decision before the the issue happens um another real world example would be how far do you want to go with a partner before marriage? You know, I had a friend who hadn't decided yet if she wanted her first kiss to be on her wedding day. I'm not saying anything either way about that. It's not a sin to kiss. But she hadn't decided, and therefore her and her boyfriend kissed. I told that story to a different person, and she says, right. So I said, if you don't decide, it's going to happen. So she says, right, I'm talking to him, we're deciding, and her first kiss was on her wedding day, you know, but she had to make that decision beforehand. And it's not that the other girl regrets what she did, um, so I'm, I'm not saying anything about the actual issue, but I'm saying you have to decide beforehand. So for me, you know, I don't drink. That's the decision I've made. Um, and, and it's not even a spiritual decision for me. It's I don't want to be out of control. I want the Holy Spirit to be the only influence on me. Um, but for somebody that might be prone to actually like alcohol, because I don't, it's not, it's not an issue for me. Somebody that does like it, they need to decide where that line is and not cross it. So that might mean they don't go to parties that there's drinking or they don't, you know, socialize at bars. They go to places that have different entertainment opportunities. Um, but you can, you can do that with spiritual things as well, or just gray areas. Um, you know, there was a period of my life where I was just watching TV all the time, and it was just rubbish. There's nothing on TV that's any good, you know, but as far as <laughs> of a spiritual nature, right? Yes. Um, and, and I'm the type of person, okay, I watch a movie, and then I think about it for three months about, 
you know, I pick it apart and I think, oh, they should have done this or that. Or So it's not just an entertainment for two hours. <laughs> it's a long process for me. <laughs> so I made a decision that TV was out. And so for years, my commitment was I would not turn on the TV. If it was already on, you know, Ben was watching sport, I could sit there and that wasn't a sin for me, you know, not that I was interested in it, <laughs> but I would not turn it on for myself um, unless it was a DVD that I already knew was fine to watch, but no TV. Um, and I, I did that for years and, and then all of a sudden we got Amazon Prime and oh my goodness, I still have a problem with this. I'll get sucked into anything. Even if I'm not really interested in it, I will watch six seasons of it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I still have that issue. So you need to know where your personal limitations are with stuff. Um, and those are probably very worldly examples. Um, but, you know, on the spot, I can't think of a different one. So accountability with those things, being transparent that I have an issue with this. And if you want to watch the same show, that's totally fine. I'm not judging you. But for me, it was wrong, you know, and, and you have to have that, that attitude of this is a gray area. The Lord has pointed it out to me alone. It's like secular music. I don't listen to secular music. You know, obviously I can hear it in public places, but we don't own any. And I came to that conclusion years before Ben did. You know, and I'm not saying that secular music is a sin either. Some of it might be, <laughs> but sure. it, again, it's that personal, um, the Holy Spirit is convicting you personally. So you can't judge somebody else for what your conviction is, but you need to be transparent about that and say, if you ever want to talk about this or have any questions, that's fine. But your conviction is going to be personal with your relationship with Christ. And everybody's working on a different area in their life. Um, you know, you think of somebody that is smoking, you know, some people think smoking is a sin and whatever. Um, but maybe they're also doing something that is illegal and the Lord's working on that first, you know, and maybe someday they won't smoke anymore, but smoking doesn't make you go to hell. You know, it's, you have to allow for different people's vices, I guess, if you, if you want to. I mean, I consider smoking a vice, so I'll say that. <laughs> but other people might not. Yeah, so I guess it's more about what I, my point is that you need to have compassion on people and where they're at and not judge them for that because you're doing something that they think is a vice as well. So you need to just work with each other and try to exhort each other to do what the Lord's telling you individually to do. I love that. I think you brought up a good point about boundaries and that I think that's something that maybe our generation and our culture is like definitely struggling with the most with like this, this mindset of on demand sort of um, living where it's like, I want something, I'm going to get it. And that sort of doesn't leave any space for boundaries and that, that extra intimate and personal relationship with Jesus. I think that's a very, very, very strong piece of advice there, definitely. Yeah. yeah. When you're making these boundaries and things, um, I think the other thing, and I've failed in this area, is purposefully memorizing scripture. Like, I'll read scripture. Um, I, I read through the Bible from cover to cover, and when I'm done, I start again. Um, 
but to purposely take verses that are really popping out to you and memorize them. Um, that way you have a defense when you're in the middle of that party and you have that verse memorized that says, do not be uh, drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, you've got that in your mind and, and the word has power, you know, and it reminds you of that. There's some verse in Job and see, this is where I've failed. I need to memorize this verse. I don't remember. I know it's in Job and I know it said something about not sinning, <laughs> but it was so powerful when I first read it that it really, there was a particular thing that I was struggling with that I have not done since. And it's been years and now I'm going to struggle with it tomorrow because I said that, but it was really <clears throat> powerful. And so to memorize those things so that you can just, you know, the Lord will bring them to remembrance when you need them. But you have to purposefully stick it in there. You know, it's not going to be by accident that, oh, I remember this first. That's not possible, <laughs> at least for me. Yeah, so that's 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 a defense that we need. And that's a strong, that's a strong action and like a good um, sort of active yeah. solution for that sort of setting of boundaries that, yeah. how to go about that. That's really, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ben? What are some like choices and steps you're taking to keep, I guess, continuing your faith today? Yeah, and in, in thinking about that, um, I think I am greatly encouraged by the fact that God is the one keeping us. Like he's the one who's holding us. He's the one who says, you know, no one can snatch you out of my hand. So while there are many disciplines that are good to be engaged in seeking the Lord actively and making sacrifices and, and seeking to draw near to him, knowing that it's he who's called me, he who is keeping me, he who is helping me, speaking to me, comforting me, that he is so intimately involved in my life that it's not my performance or my strength that's holding onto him, but he's got me. So with that knowledge that he has me, then it, it's not so much focus on the disciplines like prayer or reading or um, service in a church setting or good deeds per se, but it's really uh, rejoicing in the sovereignty of God and his goodness and his grace is the gospel and the call to follow him and what that entails. And, uh, I think consistency is really key and being faithful. That's, that's a big one. And not just, um, I guess continuing in where God, continue where God's called you and continuing to do the things that he's told you to do, uh, and then following his leading into the next thing rather than just quitting and saying, oh, I need a break. Oh, I need time off because time off does not mean rest in the Lord. That could just be sloth or laziness. But if God's like saying, if you feel like, okay, God's leading me away from this service in ministry, well, what's he leading you into? What's he calling you to? Because many times I, I remember when I was a young person, we had a lot of people leaving church because we had a change of leadership and and everyone just wanted to be together. And so a lot of people left at the same time and they all went to the same church. And I know Laura and I were very tempted to go along with them, but we did not sense that the Lord was leading us there. 
we just wanted to go. We wanted to be with our friends, but we believed that God had us in a particular place. He had us serving in a particular ministry, regardless of the leadership team or how dysfunctional or how great it was, and that we were to be faithful in that place until he moved us. And little did we know that I would go on to be a pastor at that church, and then he would lead us to Australia to a whole whole nother level of dependence upon him. And so just to remain faithful in the small things, not to dis- not to aspire to, to grand grandeur or fame or adulation or praise, but to just stay faithful in, in the thing God's called you to do and and uh, be receptive to God's leading and the challenges that people put on you. Like, and you look back to your previous times where you, I think as you go on with the Lord, it's easy to kind of lose that honeymoon stage of really basking in the glow of his glory and all that he's done for you. And you can get a bit, hardened towards those things or forgetful of who you are and why we need him so much every day. And I can be convicted because of the way I used to live for God, where it's like, I needed, if I needed to go to work at 530, I, I needed an hour, an hour and a half before to spend time with the Lord. So I was getting up at like 430 in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh, well, I got to get up earlier. And it's like, I found myself during quarantine, I'm like, you know, my alarm's set for six. And I'm like, what's going on? I, I need more time with the Lord. So it's it's about making those sacrifices. Say, I'm going to get up earlier and I'm going to go to bed earlier. And I, I'm going to take practical steps to alter my life, to adjust to uh, in a desire to seek the Lord and to please him, knowing that I need him. I really need him every day. And uh, that so it's because it's a relationship, it's not just all about, I like what Laura said about lines, but I, I would like to go beyond the line and say, be, be pleased to allow those to be moved in any direction according to his leading. So it's not just about, well, if this happens, then I respond in this way, but to be led in real time by the Holy Spirit in what we do to go beyond where you've gone before, to, to take greater steps of faith. And God's not taking, telling us to take great bounds of faith. He's say, he just leads us for that next step and to trust him that he's going to sustain us and help us to do the thing he's called us to do. So it is progressive. And because it's progressive, we can also drift. We can also move away from where he he intends we are. And so we need to be vigilant, I guess, watchful in our prayers. Jesus said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. So there's that subjecting the body to spiritual discipline to draw near to the Lord, putting off the old man, putting off the sin, recognizing it as that, and then choosing to do what's right in pleasing the Lord. Yeah, these are some like really like strong and powerful like ways you can like stay disciplined but i i guess um 
I would say, would you agree in the sense that it's easier said than done? So when you were doing the things like getting up that hour early at four o'clock in the morning, I'm sure there's people out there that would be like, oh, I'm in the same time schedule as you, but four o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so like, how was it, how I would say, what, what was your exp- like experience with that? Like, okay. So yeah, that that's a great question. I think, uh, the thing is, if God is calling you to do something, he will empower you to do it. The first thing we must realize is we can't do the first thing God asks us to do. Like if he says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, we have to come to the conclusion that I cannot do that. When he says, um, you know, forgive one another's, forgive one another, and uh, as you have freely received, freely give. You go through the Sermon on the Mount and the things that Jesus tells his disciples to do, like uh, in other places, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. When we realize we are incapable of doing any of those things on our own, then we must rely upon the Lord in faith to accomplish them because it's him accomplishing it in us. So uh, there are people who, who they're determined they are a morning person or they are a night person or they are... What do you say? The pigeon? An exhausted pigeon. An exhausted pigeon. <laughs> who's Not just the tired. Or the night yeah, tired at all times. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> but it's like if the Lord is saying, hey, get up with me tomorrow, hey, I will wake you up. So often God will wake you up before your alarm. And then it's for you to decide if you're going to take him up on it or just roll over and hit snooze. So are you going to trust him? I mean, we serve a God who who is able to supernaturally strengthen a person to go 40 days and 40 nights without water or food like Moses, right? Who can do that? They'll say it's physically impossible to fast that long, to have no water, no food for 40 days, be sane, coherent, healthy, and well, because God was teaching his people, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if God says, do this thing, he will help you to do it, whatever it is. So whether it's your physical exertion, like Elijah girding up his loins and running faster than Ahab's chariots, or Elijah eating two meals and going 40 days journey without eating again, or Moses on the mount on two occasions, 40 days, no food or drink, Jesus, as he's led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness, 40 days. So... We What we do is we say, oh, I'm going to show how spiritual I am by a 40-day fast. I'm going to be able to say that I did what Jesus did, that I'm measuring up to his level because I've denied myself. But what happens after those 40 days? He's still relying upon God like Jesus did. He's still being led by him, miraculously empowered to do wonders. So it's not about us. And that's why the flesh w- loves that sort of stuff. It loves to say, oh, I've had a seven-day fast. I've had a 40-day fast. I get up at 3 a.m. every morning. There's, there's, for me, I know, there is a certain uh, draw to being able to say, I have achieved, I have accomplished, but we've accomplished nothing if we think we've done it. We must recognize it's God's work. It's he who changes us. It's he who has made us born again. It's he who works in and through us. He's called us. He helps us. He enables us to love people, to forgive others, to give freely as we've received, hoping nothing in return. 
So it's his work. And once we recognize that, then it's like faith is enabled to, to really inspire and empower motion that honors him. But as long as I think it's me, then it's like I've, I know nothing as I ought to know. I love that because I know people get like very um, self-conscious or like worried about their journey when they're like, I can't do this. I can't be humble. How can I be a Christian? How can I be a faith? But in fact, that's more of a bigger step than people that would say, oh, I'm a Christian because I'm humble. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically enough. (laughs) Um, No, but that is that I I like the way you worded that. That was quite, um, even though it was a simple word change, it was quite. A good perspective. Okay. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for this week. I know. I'm sad too. But I'm not that sad because we'll get to continue Ben and Laura's stories this time next week right here. So we'll see you guys then. Bye. Miss us already? Don't worry. We've got you covered. You guys can check out our Instagram page at planted.ministries to see all our latest posts and our IGTV series, The Conversation. While you're there, you can check out the links to our YouTube channel and our blog page in the bio. And before you know it, it'll be this time next week. But until then, stay stay planted. planted!